Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So what's the fallout from the recruiting violations at Florida and, for that matter, the show cause order on Coach Dan Mullen? And what's the short and long-term future of quarterback Kyle Trask? Is the college football playoff system broken? And we'll take a look at some bowl games with many college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, it's Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to all of you. But why are you doing the cooking? We know you're busy. We know you're wrapping presents, all of that. Here's what you need to do. Call our friends at Mr. Empanada. They'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas. And with the holidays coming up, I mean, there's no better way to celebrate them together with uh, some family. And go ahead and order their mini empanadas or how about their Cuban sandwiches. Mr. Empanada really appreciates all their customers. They'd like to show you how eager they are to move on to 2021. So just order online at MrImpanada.com, or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. Okay, Matt Baker joins us now, and uh, Matt will get to all the uh, football here in just a second. Of course, Florida-Alabama, the SEC title game, uh, the college football poll Heisman. we got tons of stuff to talk about. But let's start at the University of Florida with one Dan... Mullen, uh, this news came down recently, and uh, you know, as we were just talking before the podcast, you can't take a day off. But look, it looks like for all the world, uh, they screwed up here and uh, tried to recruit a player during a, a time that there wasn't supposed to be contact uh, out in the Seattle, I guess, Washington area. Pick up the story and tell me just uh, just how bad this looks for Mullen. Yeah, so there's there's two buckets of violations here. The first one, as you said, he, he was uh, flying to Seattle, um, which, which is obviously okay. Um, and then he and an assistant were talking with a head coach of, of this, you know, Player X, we'll call him, at, at Player X's high school. And Player X was in the room as they were talking for 15 minutes about recruiting this guy. And it was, uh, he wasn't yet done with his junior year of high school. So that type of interaction is not allowed. Um, and Mullen had been sending him texts about how excited he was to go out there and how you're number one on our board and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that's the first kind of bucket of violations. Um, the second one is there was a, a it seems like a seven on seven tournament in Tampa um, in uh, I think it was March of 2019. And some teams were on their way uh, down to this tournament and my, the, uh, the Gators uh, coaching staff uh, kind of opened up the, the doors to the swamp and that sort of thing. Let people come in and check out the facilities, and um, at least one of them took pictures with, with one of the teams and that sort of thing. And that was uh, not allowed under the NCAA um, at the time either as kind of a ver- impermissible recruiting stuff. Um, so you couple those things. They're not the end of the, the world. I mean, there are much worse things. They weren't paying players or anything like that. Um, but the fact is these, this was multiple recruiting violations done in a couple months span. Um, and you know, the, the Gators were punished for it. Uh, your, your probation, there's some uh, recruiting restrictions. Most of them are, are done. Um, the probation, it, it just started yesterday or started uh Tuesday. 
and then runs for a year. Um, and then Mullen was given a one-year show cause penalty, which is a fairly serious thing. I mean, the, the, the Gators are going to have to kind of keep justifying why this guy should be their coach and why they should not be subject to more penalties. On a practical level, I don't. it doesn't really make that big of a difference. There's obviously coaches who have coached through this before. Jimbo had a six, I think it was a six-month show cause for kind of some similar types of, of violations at A&M, but still it's not it's not a a good look for the program of course by any means how how punitive are any of those uh you know limits with contacts or different things that they've taken away in terms of visits and and stuff they can do um is that going to affect recruiting substantially well again some of them have already happened in terms of uh that you know fewer uh phone calls they can make or, or less time they can call make phone calls and right. Mullen couldn't go out for the first I think it was the first 10 days of the January 2020 recruiting period. So yeah, that that stuff that stuff hurts. The most interesting thing that's still left um I believe it's f- for 7 days in the spring evaluation period which is is May. Um the, the Gators can't go out recruiting. We'll see if obviously if there is a May evaluation period because there wasn't this past year because of COVID, um, eventually the Gators are going to have to serve that that penalty. Um, and I do think there's a chance that's significant. I mean, look, the the Gators haven't seen, and in no other school for that matter, has seen high school players in person really since the, I mean a year ago. Um, the the uh, kind of December nat- uh, state championships, that sort of thing. Um, so they didn't get to see them in the spring because of the coronavirus. They didn't get to see them in person during the fall because of the coronavirus. So whenever they can come back and actually see these players in person, the Gators have about a fourth less time than everybody else because of this. And I do think that's significant. They're not going to be out on campus being seen. They're not going to have as much time to evaluate players. And this is people they haven't seen in a long time. So I think that could could certainly have some sort of impact on this, particularly 2022 and 2023 signing classes. Clearly, they have compliance offices. They know the rules. And I'm not naive to think that Dan Mullen is the only offender here with illegal contact. I know he's not. Um, Having said all that, uh, is this just business in the NCAA that goes on every day? Or uh, is this a head coach that's that's really feeling the pressure to try to – I mean, it's a a high-profile job. Let's face it. He's got to win. He got to the SEC title game. The next step is to win it. Um, just what would, what would cause a guy to, to sort of like bend the rules this way? I I think it's, this is the SEC and this is a little bit of business as usual. I mean, again, that's, I'm not going to completely poo poo this stuff because there are rules and the the rules were broken and the Gators were punished for it. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of SEC recruiting violations, this is, this is not the top by any means. There's a lot shadier stuff that goes on in this. It's just that in this case, for whatever reason, the Gators happened to, I think some of it they did self-report and some of it they got caught or, or what have you. And uh, that's why they're in this situation. All right, let's turn to football. And uh, I saw what, what, and you saw in person, what what I think was the most entertaining for sure uh, conference championship game against between Florida and Alabama. Uh, you know, look, Florida went toe-to-toe with them. Uh, offensively, they were a handful and then some. Uh, unfortunate, uh, some things maybe didn't go their way, but, uh, you know, Matt, it's, I go back and I, I remember, you know, that LSU game, which is still is going to stand out to Gator fans, obviously if, if for just a couple bounces here or there, Florida could be in this national championship 
you know, series here with these four teams. They're not. Um, but I thought they made a great accounting of themselves against a really good Alabama team. Yeah, I, I thought so too. They they played they did much better than I expected. Um, well, let's let's go back to the, the first thing you said. If not for a bounce here or there, they they were twelve points away from a perfect season. I mean, let, let's face it that's that's what it boiled down to. Yeah. They lost by a last second field goal against Texas A and M. Uh, you know that was uh, set up by a, a fumble, a, a rare fumble by the Gators that set up the game winning A and M score. They lost by a 57-yard field goal through the fog against LSU because of the, the, the thrown shoe. And then they, they lost by, by six against the number one team in the country. And you know we can pick apart any number of things that could have gone differently and, and didn't for the Gators. But the fact is they played Bama better than anybody else has this year and probably better than, I mean, for all we know, better than anybody else will play them. I, mean, I guess we'll, right, we'll see I about agree. Clemson. Um I don't know that Notre Dame's going to be able to challenge them really, but we'll see about Clemson slash Ohio State. Um, so you give the Gators credit for that, but th- this is the University of Florida. They won three national championships. Close is not good enough. Um, mm. they, they they are definitely closer, but that's not good enough. Um, I, I thought at the beginning of the year they were a playoff caliber team. Mullen himself set those expectations a year ago around this time. Um, in Miami after the Orange Bowl, I mean, he he took the microphone and down because you could take a microphone back then and talk to a, a loud group of, of people in a stadium um, and talked about how if we do things right, we can be back here for the next national championship next year. And they were close in some ways, but not close in others. Um, and we could pinpoint to, you know, if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen. But the fact is, they're not there and um, they, they only have themselves to blame because Let's face it, what I thought watching the game Saturday and, and how close the Gators were by, by the final score with a chance to win uh, or, or, or tie it in the very end, they were a really, really good team, and they deserved better than what they had. So they, I thought they kind of underachieved. This should not have been a three-loss team, um, but the fact is they were, and, and they're going to be kicking themselves about it for a long time because they, they had a very, very good team and didn't have very, very good results to show for it. And it seemed across the board, Matt, in those games, uh, they just gave up way too many points. Um, and I know it's a team game. You complement each other. Do you think there'll be changes on defense? There will be changes. I don't know what. Um, it, it's interesting because Mullen talks a lot about complementary football. And I understand the thought process behind what the way they, they built this team and the way they built the staff. Grantham is known as a very aggressive guy. He, he likes to blitz. He likes to try and force mistakes. He likes to get the sacks and, and turnovers and what have you. So when you do that, you're going to give up big plays on the back end. It happens. It, it's, a, it's a byproduct of it. Um, sometimes it works out. I mean, I'm going thinking back in my head to the Mississippi State uh, Mullen Bowl in his first season. Um, the game ceiling play was a Donovan Steiner safety blitz on fourth down. That was a gutsy call. If it doesn't work, it's probably a big play the other way. But it did, and, and it was a big stop that saved the game and gave Mullen a, a win in Starkville against his old team. Um, so the, the thought process is that if you do that type of stuff, if you go with the blitzes, you try and fit, force some mistakes and stuff like that, you give up stuff on the back end. But that's okay, because the way this offense is, you're going to make up for it. You only need a couple of stops from a defense, and if this offense clicks the way it's supposed to, you should win the game. And that's obviously all that counts. So that's the thought process behind why it's built this way. But certainly the way the defense didn't perform up to its expectations and up to up to the standard, um, too many blown plays here and there, not enough pressure, I think, at times, probably not enough turnovers, I think, at times. 
there, there's going to be some soul searching in the off season. I don't know if that means changes at the top with the defensive coordinator. I don't know if that means assistance underneath or, or what have you, but yeah, there, there's, there's going to be some changes because if you have to pick one side of the ball and one thing that was holding this team back, it, it, it's obviously the defense. What is the future long-term and short-term in this case of Kyle Trask? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, as we record this, what is today? Wednesday. Um, Trask was asked yesterday for the Cotton Bowl stuff. Um, will you be playing in the bowl game? Most likely 100% I am. Most likely 100%. <laughs> Wait a minute. That doesn't add up. No, it doesn't. I, I was actually pretty good at math. I was better at, at math than I was English and writing as a kid. So, um, yeah, my spidey sense is tingling, telling me that doesn't seem quite right. Um, so it sounds like he's going to play, but it is not 100%. Um, I, as we sit here today, I would expect him to play in the Cotton Bowl. I would be pretty surprised if he didn't. Um, but who the heck knows? So that's the short term. Um, he has said he'll be announcing soon whether he's coming back for another year or going pro. I can't see him coming back. I don't know what it's going to do. I mean, he was a fifth-year senior this year. Yeah, he could, uh, I don't know if he has a master's or wants to get another or start working on a PhD. I, I mean, I, I don't know what, what he would want to do, but I don't know that another year is going to boost his draft stock. You know, his his strengths have been obvious. He's, he's been a starter for almost two years. His weaknesses, the NFL knows them too. I don't know that he's going to be able to fix them. That's just kind of who he is. So I don't know that coming back will help him a lot. So I would expect him to turn pro. Um, you know, obviously we know that Kyle Pitts is gone. He's opted out of the bowl game. Um, Kadarius Tony and, and Trevon Grimes will, uh, two really good receivers for the Gators. They will be gone too. I, I suppose it's not quite a formality yet, but yeah, I think they're going to be gone. We'll see if both one or both of them plays in the bowl game. Um, but Trask, I do expect to be in the bowl game. That's interesting. Cause he's, you know, if he is coming out, he's he's subjecting himself to some risk uh, playing in that game. But, um, you know, th- that sort of is the guy he is, I think, from a team standpoint. So that that part doesn't necessarily surprise me. Did the Florida-Alabama game make anything clear to you in your Heisman Trophy selection, Matt? It did. It did. Um, I can't reveal my ballot. Um, I'm trying to think of what I could say cryptically. Did the quarterback battle make anything clear to you in your Heisman Trophy decision? Um, I'll tell you this, here, uh, and, and believe me, I want to talk about this. I, I, I Every year after the, the Heisman comes out, I write a, a, a story on TampaBay.com explaining why I voted the way I did. Yeah. But my column is pretty much done. I'm going to do some tweaking between now and January 5th when the award comes out. But I would love to come on and, and talk about why I voted the way I did because – um, no, no, no matter what you do, people are not going to like it. I know some people will not like it. Um, I will say this. Uh, oh, okay, two things. Here's my short list. I, I think I'm allowed to give that. Um, so when I sat down Monday uh, to, to come up with my top three, here was the list that I had. No order, by the way. Devontae Smith from Bama, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts, Najee Harris from Bama, Mac Jones from Bama, Trevor Lawrence. Zaven Collins, the Tulsa linebacker, who I is just a fantastic player. Brees Hall, the Iowa State running back. Jarrett King from Miami. Zach Wilson from BYU, who torched UCF the other night in the bowl game. Yeah, good. Justin Fields from Ohio State, and Grayson McCall from Coast Carolina was a wild card that I was like, oh man, wow. I got to include him at least at least give him a look. So from that list of twelve, I whittled it down to three. And here's the other tease I will give. 
when I sat down Monday, I was I thought I knew I knew two of them. I was not sure on the third, and the one I ended up picking was not who I expected when I sat down. Really? Interesting. Well, you just named a bunch of Alabama players, and I'm wondering if the rest of the country did so as well. Is there a, a, a pretty good chance that there won't be a consensus because three of those guys are from Alabama and they may cancel each other out? I definitely think there is going to be some, uh, okay, who's the best guy on Bama? And you know, I can tell you as a voter, I had to think, am I cool, again, just hypothetically here, this is a conversation I had in my head, am I cool with the idea of putting two guys on the same, from the same team on my ballot? Okay, I mean, that's a, that's a fair thing. Do I really think that two of the three best players in the country are on the same right. team? Um, so that's something that if I had to, at least, I mean, it entered my mind, so I'm sure it entered the mind of other people. Um, Mm -hmm. and I do think it will be a thing where somebody can look at that team and say, Mac Jones is the best player and that's perfectly defensible. I mean, he's on his passing efficiency as we sit here is the highest in the history of the sport. And he has the second highest completion percentage ever. That's good. Um, it's also reasonable to look at them and say, you know what? Devontae Smith is really, really good. Uh, you, you look up Saturday and he had 15 catches for 184 and two touchdowns. And it didn't even seem like he was that dominant. There were times where he was, and then, but I didn't look until the end. 15 for 184, holy cow. But at the same time on Saturday, I don't think he was the best player on, his, on that offense. You, you look at the way Najee Harris played. Um, I mean, he was unbelievable. He had five touchdowns. So you could splice it up any number of ways. And I might think one thing, you might think something different. And there's definitely a chance that the Bama guys kind of cannibalize themselves. Um, but I also think they are, are very, I mean, obviously it's a marquee brand. Nobody's going to be like, oh, let me check out this Bama guy. This, they sound very intriguing. No, everybody knows who they are. Um, and you know, I would be surprised if when the finalists are announced, uh, there aren't at least two Bama guys in there. Yeah, I, w- I would too. And I would just say that it's a tough, it's a tough decision this year, which is good means there's a lot of quality candidates. Um, the one thing, uh, you know, and, and this is probably why so many quarterbacks win this award, is it's sort of like what's in your mind when you make the vote, right? Are you are you picking the best player in college football? Are you looking at it through the lens of, you know, where they're going to go in the NFL draft or just how, how unbelievably great they are? And, and, you know, obviously the numbers and the plays are there for them. Or when this in this you know in terms of the quarterback, maybe he's not even the best player on his Alabama team. But the fact of the matter is, he handles the ball on every single play. He makes every decision sometimes at the line of scrimmage, so that those guys can do what they do. And I think just the the overall weight of that position usually usually falls on the voters' minds a little bit. It's also easier to evaluate the quarterback too, right? He, he had a guy there. Did he did he throw it to him or did he not? Um, Absolutely. Compared to like Devonte Smith, who again I, I've said before on here, I, I've that I've thought at times this year he's the best player on that team. Um, it's a little bit you have to really look at it more and appreciate it a little bit more. How did he get open that time? What was yeah. this route? Look how polished that is for him to make that double move. I mean, again, there's the wow plays that that beautiful catch he had against LSU. He had one against George where I don't know how he got a, a foot down, but somehow he did. You know, there, there's definitely some of that, but a lot of what makes him really good is not as easy to see. You have to really, you have to look harder for it. Um, and, and that's something that I don't know how, you know, I, I try and take the time to look at that, but I don't know if everybody else does. 
No, it's a good point. And, uh, you know, the thing about receivers and running backs, somebody has to get them the ball, which is yep. a totally different responsibility. That's a factor, too. Yeah, no question. All right, let's talk about the uh, – as the college football poll came out as a result of all these conference championships, good and bad – Look, we, we've been saying it for weeks. There's no surprise how this thing played out necessarily. Uh, Alabama, number one. Uh, what do you have? Clemson, number two, I guess, right? Uh, and then, Clemson, uh, two. Ohio number, State, three. Ohio Notre State Dame is four. three. Notre Dame is four. And even though, I mean, Notre Dame got shellacked by Clemson this time with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. These are all brands, Matt. I mean, the, these are the blue bloods. These are This is a TV show. I don't know how many people are going to the games, but uh, by gosh, they want to put on uh, the you know the best you know the the best four teams they can find to play each other. And you know the semifinal times have not been close. We know that, but I there's there's a part of me that gets it. I totally get it. I I'm, I guess I'm looking forward to the games like everybody else. But there's also a part of me that says you're pretty much saying to everybody else especially with the the rest of the rankings down the road, which we've already talked about are absurd in, in, in instances that if you're not a power five team, you don't have a chance. And even if you are, um, if you're Texas A&M, if you, you know, uh, you also don't have a chance because this is, this is where they're going to lean each time. As long as there's only four teams in this tournament. Let, let's there, there's a lot there. Um, let's talk about the A and M part because the SEC did not get the the benefit of the doubt here, um, which which is weird because uh, you know everybody has their conspiracy theories. Oh my God, the SEC and ESPN loves the SEC and da da da. Well, in this case, A and M played you know nine SEC games, lost one, which was to the number one team in the country, and didn't get the bump in. And right. I, I'm honestly I'm fine with that. Um, you, you look at the, the schedule, you know, when I was doing my AP ballot, I, I thought the A&M lost to Bama and the Notre Dame lost to Clemson. Those were about the same. They, they, they were blowout losses to the two top teams in the country. Okay, that's a wash. And then you start looking down the rest of the, of the, the games of the, that were won and lost. Uh, A&M had the really good win against Florida. Uh, Notre Dame, I thought, had two good wins. Uh, you know, Clemson, w- without Trevor Lawrence and some of the defensive guys, Obviously, Clemson was not the same team, but they were still a good team without those guys. And in North Carolina. So as I was looking at it, okay, well, Notre Dame has has two wins and, and killed everybody else just about. A&M has one really nice win. Struggled against Vandy. Okay, I give the nod to Notre Dame. So I, I, I understand that thought process, putting Notre Dame above A&M, although I, I could get the other right way as well. The, the here's here's I'm going to get back on my soapbox. Here's a ridiculous thing. Cincinnati at eight is is ridiculous. There, there's not. We're not going to see in this system. We're not going to see a group of five team in the playoff. It's just not going to happen. You would have to have the stars align in terms of the right team that comes up with the right schedule and then goes undefeated. Also, while the Pac-12 stumbles and the Big 12 stumbles and whatever else, there's so many things that have to go right for it to happen. And I thought there was a chance this year with all the chaos. And for, for at the end of it, Cincinnati is eight. Coastal Carolina is 12. It's dumb. It, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, again, we just saw uh, the, the BYU crush a pretty good UCF team in the, the Boca Raton, Raton Bowl last night. BYU is a darn good team and Coastal beat them. And it doesn't matter. Um, Cincinnati uh, didn't get a, a particularly big bump from from uh, winning in the rain against a top twenty five Tulsa team in the conference championship. Eh, it doesn't matter. That's fine. Good on you. Enjoy the the 
uh, Peach Bowl or whatever. The, the system is broken. The system is broken for the playoff. I think the system is broken for the bowls themselves. Um, you, you know, you look at this, the, the BYU-UCF bowl game. Those are two name brand group of five teams that end up playing each other rather than having a chance to, to beat some SEC team. So, hey, BYU beats UCF, but it doesn't really matter because you beat another G5 team. That's the type of crap that goes on. I mean, the, 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 the stupidest thing, um, Army was in the initial bowls when they got put out. Army, which went 9-2, and two, was not in a bowl game. But South Carolina, which went 2-8 and eight and fired their coach, was in a bowl game. Yeah. It, it's stupid. It, ma- it makes no sense. I mean, I understand why it's there. It's because of the bowl contracts and what have you. But if your system is set where a bad South Carolina team that fired their coach and ended this season on a six-game losing streak is going to be rewarded, quote-unquote, with a, a trip to a bowl game and no, uh, Army, which goes 9-2, and two, is not rewarded, your system's broken. And it, it's on and on with this. And, and something, I, I really hope in my heart of hearts that this year is something that where, where it changes because there's been so many things that are so clearly wrong. And, you know, kind of like when uh, Bama, was it Bama and the, the two-loss LSU team played for the national championship, that, and people are like, no, what this system maybe isn't maybe isn't working right. Maybe we need to expand it. I hope this is the year where, because of all the dumb things that have gone on with the playoffs and the rest of the bowls and what have you, they think, you know what, maybe we need to really look at this again and and, and fix this because we're it, it's just not going to happen. Where a group of five team is not going to get in, and if they're not going to get in, then what's the point? And where where the season starts and half the teams aren't in contention. That's that's my I, I that's the part I agree with with you the most is that if it's not going to be inclusive then okay just say they're not invited they're not ever coming to the party they're not going to the cool kid party because um, you know you act as if they have a chance when they really don't and and I'm look I I like good college football and the best college football programs have been Alabama and Clemson we're likely to see them again uh, in the national championship game but there's also a part of me that says you know what. Maybe you'll have blowouts if you expand this thing to eight teams or whatever you want to expand it to, but you have blowouts now too. And and at least every year there will be the chance for um, a non-Power 5 school or or maybe just one that you know was playing well at the end of the year um, that, that makes, makes an expanded field and does pull the upset or at least gives you hope that they might. And, and I think this just makes for a more entertaining um, you know college football playoff, in my opinion, because... Otherwise, I can pick from a hat, Matt, every year, and it's going to be the same teams until Nick Saban goes and somebody comes in and, and screws up the Alabama program or Dabo Sweeney moves to Alabama and somebody screws up the Clemson program. Um, you know, Ohio State, same thing there. You're going to see these teams every single year, and I just don't think it's good for college football. I think the number is 11. That This is the what, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. This is the seventh year of the playoffs. I think mm-hmm. there have been 11 different teams that have been in it. And that's bad. It's been a while since the Pac-12 was in it. You know, Oregon yeah. and Washington, I think, are the only two. Um, I don't think there's been a Big 12 team in there other than Oklahoma off the top Oklahoma, of my head. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's Ohio State, Clemson, Bama just about every year. And, and right. Georgia is going to be in that mix, too. I could tell you pretty clearly, I, I would be very surprised right now if at least three of those four teams, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, and Georgia, are not in the playoff next year. 
And right. I would guess one of them is going to win the national championship. Right. And at a certain point, you get to you get to fatigue. Where I, I'm a hardcore college football fan. This is what I do. I will be watching no matter what. If you're listening 25 minutes into this or whatever, you probably are too. But the problem is going to be continuing to grow the sport to get people like my mom to pay attention. Um, where she might look at the Rose Bowl, she'll care about her Boilermakers, but she's not going to care about the rest. Maybe if you give her a reason to care, with a BYU having a chance to play Bama or something like that and get some enthusiasm yeah. there, um, spreading it to different parts of the country where you could have a you know, getting South Carolina excited about Coastal Carolina here or um, you know, last year Utah having a, potentially having a chance, that sort of thing. Spread it to different regions. That's how the sport's going to continue to grow because you don't want it to be where it is only the Southeast and Ohio and Texas, parts of Texas some years. That, that's, that's not good for the sport. You need everybody caring about it, at least on and off. And um, right now we're at a system where that's just not happening. And I think the higher-ups, the people, the commissioners who run, I think they, they recognize that. You know, Mike Oresco, the AAC commissioner, has been, hasn't been the most vocal over the years about expanding the playoffs. That's going to change. He, he's already been vocal, and I think that's, he's going to increase that. You know, the Pac-12 being shut out as often as they've been, I think there's going to be a push out there to expand the playoff to try and you know, get the USC's and Oregon's in and again. And I think that it's moving in that direction, and I think it has to. I think it has to, Rick. Yeah, I agree. I think there's enough enough momentum for that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You mentioned the bowl games, and of course, we've got one right here in Tampa. It's been uh, great for years, the Outback Bowl. Jim McVay does it again, Matt. Every year he does it. I don't know how he did it, but we've got Indiana and Ole Miss. A lot of local connections in that one. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the better ones that that uh, the area could could hope for. I mean, Indiana's got a zillion guys. We talked about it. They're they're let's face it, they're Tampa's Big Ten team between Tom Allen. You know, getting a start at, at uh, T- Temple Heights Christian and, and as an assistant in Armwood, you know, uh, Wap Fillier, receiver from Plant, Micah McFadden, an All America level linebacker from Plant, um, on and on it goes. So they're they're an extremely uh, local and, and entertaining team. And then uh, Lane Kiffin, um, his his dad uh, did something with the Buccaneers at some point. Is my I did at is, one time. Is, is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so obviously he's got some uh, some Tampa ties as well, which kind of just. Has a little bit of a wrinkle to this, and Lane is always entertaining. So, I, you know, honestly, I think that's one of the better bat- matchups of, of, of bowl season outside the New Year's Six. And the Gasparilla Bowl, unfortunately, uh, we mentioned this a little earlier. There's there's some COVID situations, I guess. Uh, too too late to really get another team into play, right? Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. Um, South Carolina decided not to play. I'm not entirely sure how much of it was coronavirus and contact tracing, how much of it was South Carolina players being like, you know what, we're done. Obviously a lot of programs have made that decision where they said we're, we're done. We don't, we don't want to do this. Virginia and Virginia tech both pulled out of contention um, even before this. So there's been plenty of schools like that. I think about 20 have said, we just don't want to do this. Um, And I don't blame them. 
look, this has been a really hard season, obviously a hard year for everyone. Players have been going through all the tests and contact tracing and that sort of thing. And it's one thing if you're doing it, you're going to play your rivals, try and win a conference championship or whatever. It's another thing to do it when you're going to fly a couple states away to a mostly empty stadium to play some team that you don't really care about. And that's what the, you know, and you, normally the Bulls is a celebration. You get trips and, and swag and you get to go to theme parks or whatever. And you're not doing that this year. You're going to play a football game. And I don't blame anybody for saying, you know what, I've had enough. And if that's what the Gamecocks have done like other people have done, then then so be it. I don't I don't blame them at all. It's just, it's unfortunate that, again, we talk about how the system is broken and screwed up. UAB, which is one of the most remarkable stories, honestly, in the modern era of the sport, where they shut down for for a year started coming back up or, or out for a couple years rebuild the program i think they've won 34 games over the past four years won their second conference usa championship since literally coming back from nothing they're not in a bowl game now because south carolina bailed so now they're they're potentially going to be the the backup plan in case somebody ha- can't play because of coronavirus and that you know again this we just talk about that this system is not set up to uh for for the little guys uab is a little guy they're a remarkable little guy but they're still a little guy, and now they don't get to play in a bowl game. That's disappointing. Finally, we'll uh, let you out on this one. Um, it's not football-related, but basketball-related. Good news for the Gators. And Keontae Johnson, I guess, uh, is out of the hospital and looks to be doing well. Yeah. I, I mean, just the, the fantastic news on, on Tuesday that he's been uh, released from the hospital. I mean, I, I still think there's a lot that I, I hope we, we find out in, in the coming days and weeks um publicly about what happened to him and why there's obviously just a you know when when you see a young healthy athlete like that collapse you, you part of you just wants to know why and then the extra wrinkle of the coronavirus and everything that's going on that that raises questions that have implications for i mean literally every other team in the country uh college and to some degree pros and, and so i hope we get answers on that in, in the coming days and weeks but the short term the most immediate thing is that he you know, was uh, getting out of the hospital Tuesday, and that's wonderful news and something that you know, we can all take a little bit of joy in and uh, this great news happening in a rough year. No doubt about it. He's Matt Baker. Uh, you can read about his selection uh, for the Heisman Trophy, uh, what his uh, thought process was. We'll talk to you about that next week, as well as the college football playoffs with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Happy holidays, man. All right. You too, Rick. Thanks. Once again, uh, Merry Christmas to all of you that are busy out there trying to wrap presents and make your last-minute uh, shopping and all of that. You're not going to have time to cook, so call our friends at Mr. Empanada. They'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. And you can go ahead and order some of their uh, mini empanadas for your family gathering, maybe some Cuban sandwiches. All you have to do is order online at MrEmpanada.com, or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay where Latin food, quality, and service meet. It's Mr. Empanada. We're going to have a Christmas mailbag tomorrow. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. 
Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.